San Francisco Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and you're listening to Fifth and Mission. California has scaled way back on businesses that are allowed to operate. No more hair salons, nail salons, indoor dining at restaurants, gyms, churches, malls, or movie theaters. Why did Governor Gavin Newsom make these changes? And what's next for our state in its fight against the COVID-19 pandemic? Health reporter Aaron Alday is here with the latest. Aaron Alday, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Heather Knight. <laughs> Always good to talk to my Alday and Knight partner. Exactly. So we have a lot to talk about when it comes to the state of California. Um, the Governor Gavin Newsom made some major announcements yesterday that are affecting the state um, from here on out. If you can um, describe what he said and and what happens next, right? So yesterday um, was was a pretty big day. De- big day. Um, this was on Monday, and and the governor, for the first time, he'd been very hesitant as as cases like really blew up across California, and our hospital hospitalization numbers were increasing. He just was was really hesitant to take any really aggressive action to to re kind of close down the state. It was clear that he wanted to avoid that um, at all costs. You know, he there was a lot of pressure on him initially to reopen and to move things along. Um, and a lot of the counties were really on board with that and moving pretty fast. And and the governor clearly did not want to interfere with that. But on Monday, he kind of finally you know, recognized that that he needed to do something. And he took, um, you know, pretty, pretty firm, pretty um, uh, aggressive action to 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 shut down large sectors of the economy again. Um, and so across the whole state, we have bars um, shut down and indoor dining, um, just a lot of things that in some places had only very recently reopened. And in some place in the Bay Area actually hadn't reopened at all. Mm-hmm. But um you know, movie it was theaters, right? Movie hair theaters, salons, hair salons, salons. exactly. Um, so yeah, just closed down a whole bunch of places that had just recently been allowed to reopen, and um, and we're you know not not quite backward we were obviously with sheltering in place, but frankly, kind of close. I mean, a lot of these places were some of the key things that people were looking forward to getting back. Yeah. Being a San Francisco resident and reading the story, I was kind of surprised, like, wait, these things were even open in the first place? Like, who is going to the movies right now? But it's just uh, our county has been so, so much more cautious than so much of the rest of California that you don't even realize what was allowed to be open in the first place. Yeah, it's kind of actually horrifying when I think about it, because I'm in Alameda County, which is actually even farther back than San Francisco. Um, and I had that same thought where it's just like, wait, who, you know, where were people going out to bars and where were people doing all these things? But the truth is that in much of the state, um, those those things were happening for sure. Yeah. I just can't imagine wanting to go to see a movie when I um, understood how that would work and you're sitting on plastic and can't even get popcorn the usual way. It just didn't seem like a good idea at all. Um, no. So what, no, what fueled his... Um, his move, can you kind of give us a picture of what the case counts are looking like in the state and and why things are surging? Right. So we've seen the surging. So we saw things pick up um, really kind of tied to Memorial Day is when um, we first kind of started seeing this increase. And it's really closely matched to when when the the majority of the state started reopening. Um, And what we've seen since then is you know, the cases in, in much of California um, and definitely the Bay Area had really plateaued um, during sheltering in place. We'd seen not quite a dramatic drop off, but really sort of a pl- plateau of, of low level um, transmission. So low level disease in the community. Um, 
California never got quite as low as the Bay Area did, but but pretty good. And then we started reopening and everybody said, all the public health officers said, look, when we reopen, we're going to see cases pick up. We're also going to be doing a lot more testing. We'll see cases pick up from that. So I think at first when we saw this sort of uptick, it wasn't too alarming because this was all to be expected. Um, the idea was you would sort of open things up slowly, wait a couple weeks, keep an eye on the numbers if they weren't too bad, open a little bit more, that kind of thing. Um, and then for a lot of reasons, it didn't quite play that play out that way in a lot of the state. The the reopenings kind of came along really fast. Um, in fact, the governor got kind of a lot of um, feedback from health officers, especially in the Bay Area, that was moving too fast. And you know, sure enough, the problem with this this virus is there's a lag time in the reporting. So by the time you see case counts um, picking up, it's reflective of of things that people were doing a week or two previously, because it takes that long for symptoms to appear. It takes that long for people to get tested. It takes that long for results to come back. And so anytime you see these case counts coming up, it's all from actions that were happening a week or two previously. So the point is that by the time you see things kind of starting to spiral up and really explode, it's not that it's too late to do anything, but but you're already behind. Um, you've already kind of lost that little bit of control. And so, you know, we started seeing that happening, you know, probably started like a two or three weeks ago, we started seeing record breaking daily numbers um, and numbers that were so high that they were clearly not a a factor of testing or not testing alone. So it wasn't just that we were testing more people. You know, we were definitely seeing more people getting sick um, in the community um, and just saw all kinds of signs that, that that was going on. And then, of course, after we saw these record-breaking numbers, we started to see the hospital counts rising. Um, and now we're at record levels of people hospitalized, higher than we ever were in March and April when we were really bracing for that. Um, and now I think everybody's keeping a close eye on on what's happening with the deaths. What are the death counts looking like so far? It's a little bit hard to say. Um, I'm actually, I have a map or a chart pulled up in front of me right now. Um, we have seen some big numbers in California in the last couple of days, but it's only, you know, a few days and it's not quite, it's not quite enough to say if there's a trend yet, um, uh -huh. if that's what we're seeing. So we haven't really seen the deaths pick up and, and the thinking there is that it's because it's a lot of younger people that are getting sick now. Um, and they may be just at, le at less risk of, of dying of, of COVID-19. So we may not see those deaths really pick up, but it's kind of a little too early to say. And why are younger people getting it so much more now? Um, a lot of it, it's, it's a bunch of different factors. Some of it is just with the reopening of the economy, you have more younger people just going back to work, kind of going back and doing, you know, some of the things that are allowed by the state to for them to do again. We, you know, we're still seeing large numbers of cases in communities of color, so Latinx mm -hmm. and black communities. And a lot of those are younger folks who are, you know, working. Um, mm -hmm. And some of them have been working all throughout, but some of them are going back to work. Um, but we're also seeing a lot of cases driven by social gatherings. Um, so, you know, people doing sort of unauthorized hangouts, um, just spending time, you know, they're expanding their social bubbles, seeing friends, um, going out, um, things that they're told not to do. Um, mm -hmm. and, and we're definitely seeing some of that. And so that's where a lot of the, the younger cases are in fact coming from and, and folks, you know, not wearing masks when they should, it's been really hard. Even in California, it's been hard to get that masking message out there. I'm seeing so many people now who have a mask, but are not 
covering their nose or it's just dangling around their chin or right? they're carrying it. I'm like, why do you bother? You know, it's, that's, that's I don't get do that. Anything. I honestly don't get that either because I'm like, like I sometimes you get a little hot and uncomfortable with the mask and I get like wanting to like push it down to breathe for a second. But wearing it under your nose doesn't accomplish anything. <laughs> Well, we saw President Trump do that the other day. <laughs> true, true. Yes. But yeah, I see a lot of that too. We'll be right back after a short break. You can support Fifth in Mission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com slash pod. I believe testing is also another issue that um, there's just not the capacity and especially the time it takes to get the results back is a problem. If it takes like a week to get your results and then you get the negative, you still could have gotten the virus, you know, in that week. Um, So isn't that playing into some of the problems as well? Yeah, I think that that's getting to be a really big deal again. Um, This testing thing, we just cannot seem to figure it out. So, I mean, of course, that was a huge problem right from the start. And then we seem to be catching up. Um, There were a lot of testing sites. There was a lot of encouraging everybody to get tested. I got tested a couple of weeks ago. I didn't think I was at particular risk, but I just I wanted to see my parents. And so I thought that was smart. And honestly, even a couple of weeks ago, it wasn't that big of a deal. It didn't take me long to get an appointment. And I got my results back in a few days. It was fine. But suddenly, I think with the cases really picking up, people getting concerned, it's it's put much more pressure on our already kind of fragile testing infrastructure. And, you know, anecdotally, um, and, and of course, our colleague Catherine Ho wrote a story about this last weekend. Um, it's what, what we're seeing is, yeah, that lag time. So it's both difficult for people to get appointments in a lot of cases. Um, and sometimes the results we're hearing are taking like 10 days in some cases, which is just, I mean, not only can you, like you pointed out, you can become infected or or turn from a negative to a positive in that time period. But also if you're going to use, if you're going to do contact tracing, which is identifying people who are positive and then reaching out to their contacts to like stop that thing from spreading. Well, if it takes, you know, a week for somebody to find out they're positive, that's a week that they've been potentially going about their lives, infecting others without even knowing it. Yeah, that many more people to report and remember to the contact tracer oh, no, as well. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, yeah, it complicates all kinds of things to not have this. And I mean, in some cases, like I think down in L.A. and maybe up here a little bit, they're starting to narrow down the testing criteria again. So mm-hmm. basically saying, you know, like I would not fit that anymore. Like certain people would not you know, be encouraged to get tested anymore because they have to kind of limit their their testing supplies. And then it's, again, that just defeats the purpose. We should really be testing as many people as as possible right now. Yeah. And I know a lot of the counties are frustrated that they're shouldering so much of the testing burden in places like Kaiser and other private um, insurance companies are, are not doing it as much. Um, are you hearing about that? And it, um, is there a push for other places to help out? Yeah, that's definitely been an issue. I've heard from that from at least two counties and Santa Clara County um, in particular issued an order requiring them to uh, to kind of pick up more more of the testing in the community because, um, yeah, I think across the board, the counties have and, and public um, health you know, labs, uh, state labs have had to really share, you know, much larger burden of that testing. And, and they're not designed to do that. Public health labs and public health um you know, sites are meant to kind of pick up the testing that, you know, you know, in in normal circumstances wouldn't be covered by, you know, a Kaiser or whatnot. So like, if you're talking about the flu season, Kaiser does, you know, flu testing on all of its own, its own patients. 
um, and the county is only meant to take over, you know, people who can't get it anywhere else. So now instead you have this reverse and that's just not how it was designed to do. And that that definitely seems to be a complicating factor in the testing issue. Why are places like Kaiser not able to test more of their patients? Well, that that I don't know the answer to. Um, I think that they say that they have the same problems as the counties do, which is access to supplies, you know, the mm-hmm. swabs and the and the agents, you know, the chemical agents for for conducting the tests and all that kind of thing. Um, you know, the counties are a little suspicious of that because the counties have that problem, too. And yet they're managing to test more than, than mm-hmm. the Kaisers and some others. Um, so I think that that's something that we're still trying to figure out what's what's going on there. Yeah. And it seems like the counties will test anybody who wants to get tested, whereas a lot of the private places, um, you have to get an order from your doctor and only if you have symptoms. And it's, you know, it narrows the the population more. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely a factor. I mean, again, like when I got tested and I'm a Kaiser member, but I didn't even bother asking for a test there. I just went through a county, oh, uh, that's a county site. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, despite how bad things are in California, we can at least feel a little good that we're by far not the worst <laughs> in this yes. country right now. Um, everybody's favorite topic, Florida, mm-hmm. uh, probably the worst. They even opened Disney World. I don't know mm-hmm. who, if I couldn't imagine going to the movies right now, I definitely can't imagine going to Disney You know, World. it was interesting. Robert Redfield, the director of the CDC, he did a, he did a kind of a meeting today with a local um, academic institution, the Buck Institute up in Novato. And he was asked specifically about Disney World and Florida reopening. And he was like very diplomatic about it and basically saying, you know, they're outdoors. And if they have all the appropriate precautions in place with masking and social distancing and whatnot, then they're probably fine. But you could kind of read between the lines that, you know, how how do you enforce that kind of behavior in a place as massive and, you know, people all clustered together? Um, I guess it remains to be seen. Maybe maybe Disney has it figured out. (laughs) (laughs) Um. It, it, it's also, of course, a state where there's a lot of pushback to wearing masks in the first place. Right. So yes. it's hard to imagine that they're all going to Disney World and keeping the masks on the entire time. Right. Exactly. But yeah, Florida is is kind of a nightmare right now. They had they reported more than 15,000 cases on Sunday alone, which was the most that any state has reported since this all began, including New York in the peak of its its outbreak. Um, and I'm looking at the numbers now. Just yesterday, it was almost 13,000 um, and Texas uh, had is reaching, getting close to ten thousand. So you know those are those are really bad. But but the truth is that California is you know hitting eight and nine thousand cases a mm-hmm. day. So it's not like we're that far behind. No, we're not doing great. So uh, what do you predict for what comes next? Do you think we're going to have to go back into more of a strict lockdown, or do you think that the governor's orders will make a difference? Um, any thoughts on on what happens next in this wonderful year that is twenty twenty? I have learned kind of not to predict because it's <laughs> it's so dynamic. Because <laughs> when once you think things can't get worse, they do. I mean, I, I mean, definitely at this point, I've decided that is not the case. It, it can always get worse. <laughs> God, that sounds so such a downer. Um, no, I mean, I think that like in the short term, you know, there's not much we can do. Well, I guess I shouldn't say that. I think that we'll probably give it a couple weeks with this current situation, with the bars closing and all that. Um, to see how that plays out. I mean, I suppose it's possible that if California sees, keeps seeing really dramatic increases, you know, we could be back in a situation. I think that everybody remembers how fastly things moved back in March. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we went from, you know, one order to the next order to complete shutdown over like a period of, of 10 days or something. 
Um, and we weren't waiting to see how things would play out. Like there was this really fast action taken mostly in the Bay area, but elsewhere too. So I think, you know, it's possible we'll see something like that. I will say that we're not seeing what they call the exponential growth that we saw in March. So part of what concerned people so much in March was that these cases were like doubling and tripling every few days. Mm-hmm. So even though we're seeing really high numbers right now, they're not growing so dramatically like week to week. I mean, they're they're increasing. We don't want to see that. But they're not like doubling every week, which would be horrifying. Um, yeah. So I think that gives us some more room. And plus the fact that we still do have room in our hospitals. So we're not feeling everybody's nervous, but we're not feeling super threatened. So I think that that gives us room to to kind of lie low, see how this latest order plays out over the next couple of weeks and then sort of reevaluate. Um, and it's possible at that point. I don't I don't see bars reopening anytime soon. So no. even if the numbers are looking good, I think that that's a long term thing. Mm-hmm. We'll all um, just drink in our houses. <laughs> exactly. Which we've been doing anyway. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's kind of hard to say what's going to happen with with the rest of that. I think we just kind of have to wait and see. And as a mom of two little kids, I have to ask you what you think is going to happen with schools and whether the governor will um make a ruling on that or if he'll continue to let each California district pick its wildly different plan. My guess, what I've been reading from him, from from the governor, is he doesn't want to issue kind of a statewide edict on schools. So I don't I don't see him doing that. Um, you know, I don't see him ordering like a statewide, you know, the schools statewide aren't aren't allowed to reopen in the fall. I think he's going to leave that up to the counties um, to make that call and then up to the districts to, you know, then decide what's right for them. Um, that's probably the right. Well, that's probably the right choice. I mean, whatever. I'm I'm just a journalist. I don't know what's right or wrong here. <laughs> just um, a journalist. Just a You're journalist. Very important. <laughs> but um, but no, I don't see him weighing in on a statewide level on that. Um, you know, again, this thing, this whole pandemic has proven very uh, confusing, and it changes all the time. So I could be proven wrong about that. Um, I do suspect that at least in the Bay Area, most of the large counties probably are not going to feel comfortable with with, you know, having in-person classes, um, at least right off the bat. Um, The bigger question is how, you know, what's going to happen a month in? Are they going to feel comfortable at some other time? And and then you throw the flu season in there and that's going to really complicate matters. So, you know, it's not looking great. (laughs) Um, But I don't I don't know that I would like give up hope yet that that kids won't be back in class at all, you know. For the year. Okay. Well, is there any positive note we can end on? Or <laughs> I will say, you <laughs> is know, that futile? <laughs> the, no, I will say positively the Bay Area is still looking better than a lot of places. Um, even, you know, compared to the rest of the state, um, we're not seeing the cases climb nearly as much as the rest of the state. We've never had death numbers like anywhere else in the country. They've always stayed at relatively small levels. Um, so, you know, what I hear from folks is we still have a pretty good kind of grasp of, of the situation here, which people should people should feel good about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's it's really rough for businesses. And I just feel for especially like in Santa Clara County, you had these businesses that like nail salons that were just told to reopen on Monday and now yeah. they're having to close again on Wednesday. Like that's awful. And you feel terrible for these business owners. And there's not much you can say to them that's good news. But I think for most of us, we can feel like we're in a pretty good spot. We're being taken care of as best as as we can. And we're going to kind of come out on the other side of this. Yeah. And we're not in Florida. So exactly. There's that. <laughs> always there's that. <laughs> well, it's always nice to talk to you. Thanks for so much information. Thank you, Heather. Great talking to you too.
Thank you to Aaron Alday for joining me today, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and to you for listening.